my brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for Your grace and mercy. We thank You for Your kindness to us. Lord, we're grateful for all that You do for us, that we might have life and joy in Jesus Christ. And we thank You for these songs of praise that uh, our brothers and sisters have shared with us tonight. How thankful we are for salvation and how I pray that we might remember each day that we have only so many days and our days flip by one at a time. May we be honoring and glorifying you with our bodies and with our words. May we be about the gospel in our personal lives and may our church be about the gospel. We pray for the various ministries that are taking place tonight all around campus of First Baptist, all of our students and our choir ministries and the teaching of the Bible and the Word of God from various groups and we who are here gathered here, we pray for our friends who watch us online, we miss them, we pray that you would heal them and restore their health and also give them encouragement and courage to come back and join us publicly as soon as they can, they feel comfortable. For our other friends who join us who are not who do not live here, but we hear from them, we pray for your blessings on them wherever they are, and we're honored that they would join in with us and join in the fellowship of your word. So we ask now that the Holy Spirit of God would be our teacher and that you would help us to understand what you have to say to us from this wonderful, glorious part of your word, the book of Exodus, as we see how Moses was a man who heard from God. May we be people, may we be your people, and may we hear from you. And then obey what you say to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let me do some work here. Good to see all of you, and uh, glad you're here. And glad you found your way back to this place. If you have your Bibles, find Exodus chapter 13. If you don't have the outline, there's some down here on the... Uh, lower level and we can give those to you if you don't have one if you raise your hand maybe somebody can give you one all right everybody good i always feel like when i'm in here i'm in class doing some kind of class as if always oh, this is really different for me you are going to give me grace to learn how to do this uh, and not how to fall off this chair sorry What's that, darling? I said they put pretty curtains on. Yes, they've really tried to dress it up for us, haven't they? <laughs> you know, we get we have a lot of uh, wise guys and girls that send send us texts and messages about you know when they watch us on video. Some of you know who you are who do it just to harass. Like one fellow I was telling the guys here when they were getting ready, you know. So on at noon, you know, I try to do the noonday Wednesday thing from my office on, on the computer you have to learn where the camera is it's right there on the computer so one of our men is always very helpful each week to tell me how good or how bad I'm doing looking at the camera do you look at the camera sure I try to look at the camera did you hear anything I said are you worried about how I'm looking at the camera did you wear that shirt last week I have no idea why are you worried about all of that but anyway so you wise guys who are listening today we're in our new place we have curtains and we have art decoration we have it all so uh, we continue on now in the book of Exodus why is this important for us my dear friends 
you know, there was a time in the early church where there was a there was a preacher who uh, got around to the the early church and said, "Well, really, the Old Testament doesn't matter. You just need the New Testament." His name was Marcion, and so one of the early heresies in the church was Marcionism. That is, you just you just take the New Testament. You don't need all that old all that Old Testament stuff. Is that was a God that was different from the God of the New Testament. Well, actually, that's really not true at all. We need the Old Testament in order to understand the fullness of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're on a journey with me. We're on a journey out of Egypt all the way through the wilderness in the book of Exodus. Some of you have read it, but perhaps you've never studied it. Uh, we're going to study it. So here's a hint. What are we on this week? Chapter 13. What will we be on next week, Lord willing? Chapter 14. So I would encourage you, if you have the time, even if you can't sit down and read it, turn on your device that has it on audio and play it so that you know. Next week will be really important because it is the crossing of the Red Sea. We're here to talk about this as adults, as believers in Jesus Christ. We're here to understand, so what was it like for Israel to be saved? What was it like? Historically, we study this because these events happened. They display the glory of God, the power of God, the majesty of God. As we study the book of Exodus, we learn how to worship God. We learn the importance of obedience. We learn the importance of the fear of God. Uh, so these are, uh, these are recorded by Moses, a man who heard from God. And I've titled my journey with you through Exodus because I'm convinced this is a very important point. In fact, you see the first words in chapter 13. We're about to read it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. That phrase occur, occurs time and time and time again. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. And then what did he do? Moses then spoke to God's people. Moses then spoke to Pharaoh. Boy, that was unbelievable what we've just been through. So this is important for us to know. How does God command Israel after he saves Israel from Egypt? Well, there's the going out of Egypt, what we saw last week. We should reread a little of this. And again, in just a moment, there's nothing more important than the reading of God's word. The problem in church sometimes is the preachers want to hurry up and get to their thoughts, which are of minimal significance compared to these words, which are holy words. So in just a moment, we'll read the entire chapter 13. So those of you who watch online, you should read along with us. I'm not doing this to take up time. I believe that you should hear all of God's word. It ought to all be read. And so that's why we take the time, especially on Wednesday night, we read this and we try to do it, uh, Brother Steve and I work on this a lot, blending scripture and singing, and then we look at large sections of God's word on Sunday mornings. So uh, let's, uh, I want to go back and read beginning in verse 50 of chapter 12. This is an amazing thing. Because of the death of the firstborn in Egypt, because of the judgment of God on Egypt, because of the hard-heartedness of Pharaoh, we read in verse number 50 of chapter 12, then all the sons of Israel did so. In other words, they obeyed God. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. They were obedient to the word of God through God's messenger. And on that same day, verse 51, 
This is an amazing statement. This is to, this is around two million people now. You know, the, the other night we looked at this uh, verse thirty-seven. The sons of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about six thousand, about six hundred thousand men on foot. When you add the children, it's the estimates are these are the, the, the rabbis that tell us this is two million people. Two million people. So on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. So they were gathered and they, they, uh, they uh, came out in military formation. Squadrons, some of you are military. It's, it was the grouping of everything was organized by God in the way it was done. And yet the day of salvation came quickly. And God said, now tonight go kill your lamb and spread the blood. This is last week. Spread the blood on the doorposts of your houses. Don't come outside your house and go in and eat the Passover meal. For, as the Lord said, as Moses says, you shall take the branch of hyssop, this is verse 22 of 12, and the blood in the basin and apply it, and, the, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning, <laughs> because there was a great destroyer sent by God who, did, who uh, took the firstborn of Egypt. <clears throat> and so in just a moment we will see that. But let's come back now and uh, read chapter 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying... <clears throat> Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. That's the theme of this chapter. That's the theme of this chapter. Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. It belongs to me. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, <clears throat> from the house of slavery, for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day in the month of Abib, you are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the, to the land of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Hivite, Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be seen among you, nor shall any leaven be seen among you in all your borders." You shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Now, when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. 
But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come, What is this? Then you shall say to him, With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. It came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall serve as a sign on your hand and as phylacteries on your forehead, <clears throat> for with a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Now, let the people go. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array, squadrons, from the land of Egypt. Two million in squadrons. Think about that. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. The focus tonight of where I want to go with chapter 13, I've given it to you on the outline, is that God leads His people to remember His works, dedicate their firstborn to Him, and follow His leadership. So what do you do when God saves you? This is the question. What do you do when God saves you? And then my follow-up question to you tonight is, do you remember where you were when God saved you? Do you remember? Think about it tonight. Get your mind going there. Israel is being saved here. Israel is being saved from bondage. And as I mentioned last week, 430 years of captivity, which would you take the general math that's used for uh, how, how, uh, much, how long is a generation? It equals about 20 generations. 400 years, all Israel knew was Egypt. The culture of Egypt, the worship of Egypt, the, adult, the idolatry, the wickedness, the godlessness, the paganism of Egypt. That's all they knew. Joseph was gone. God's blessing on uh, Joseph was there, but then there was a Pharaoh who came up, as we read at the beginning of Exodus, he did not know he did not know Joseph. All the memory of what God had done through Joseph as, as the, only one step below Pharaoh, it was the greatest 
Here's this Jewish prince in Egypt running the country. And God blessed Joseph, and God blessed Israel by Joseph. But then Moses is born, we know, and he grows up for 40 years as a prince in the house of Pharaoh. Oh, how God does surprising things with just a few people. We think we have to have the numbers. See, this is a Christian problem. When we wring our hands in the world in which we live, say, well, there's just not enough of us. There's plenty of us. When you see the glory of what God can do through one person who fully commits themselves to follow God, is that you? That's not just preachers. That's not just missionaries. That's not just famous Christians in the Bible, uh, godly people in the Bible and Christians in the Bible like Paul. That's you and I. God saves you in order to use you for His purposes. And if you're still alive, by the way, no matter your age, God still wants to use you for His purposes. So Israel is saved now. Passover has been observed. Can you imagine? Okay, we read it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't go too much. I've got to tie 12 and 13 together. So you have the entire inauguration of Passover in chapter 12. And you're to get this, you're to get it together, and you're to have bitter herbs, and you're to take this lamb, and you're to kill it, and you're to roast it, and uh, eat it standing up with your clothes on, ready to go. What? What kind of a dinner is that? What kind of a meal is that? It's a meal that you're going to appreciate because you're about to leave Egypt. So Passover comes, and then the entirety of this discussion about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You eat the unleavened bread because it's the bread for the journey that you're taking with God. I remind you that we have two rites in Christianity. Two ordinances that are ours. The blessed experience and privilege of being baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ. And the second is the table of the Lord. Maybe we should stand up and take it. Maybe we ought to stand up while we do it. But that'd be too hard with our little thing we have to open up and all the rest. We have two things we do. In the world, when they look at us, so you think about this now. We've just about gone far enough back into paganism in this country and the understanding of Christianity is so faded. So what do you all do as Christians? Well, first of all, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and then we're dipped completely under water. You do what? Yeah, we do that. And then the second thing we do is often as we meet, we do it once a month, we gather at the table of the Lord. And we take those blessed elements that remind us that you must eat the flesh of Jesus Christ and drink His blood. What does that mean? It means you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And these two rites, your children see them. I was a little boy one time, and I saw them. And I had to ask my father, well, what does this mean? And you find this pattern throughout now uh, Exodus 13. It is God leading His people to remember what, how He saves them, and dedicating and training their firstborn. By the way, they had children because 
God passed over their house when the destroyer came. Now they have families. Now there's something that must be done by these saved Israelites with their children. It's woven all through this. And then what do we do? We follow the leadership of God, the pillar of cloud and fire. So I want to talk for a moment about firstborn. Why is firstborn so significant? Well, it's because of the devastation. Uh, it's, it's the redemption of the firstborn of Israel in Passover. None of them where the blood was seen, the, the death angel, the destroyer passed over. But then we read these sad words about the firstborn in 1229. It came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the cattle. Firstborn of animals, firstborn in the families. And Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Can you imagine what the Israelites heard in their homes as they lived around their Egyptian friends? Crying, wailing, because these firstborn children are dead. And all of their animals are dead. Death everywhere. When God brings judgment, when He promises judgment to come, it will come. And when it comes, you cannot stop the judgment and the judgment of God. And it's coming again to the world. We try to educate ourselves out of it, even as Christians. We try to minimize it. We try to soften it because we think it's such a cruel thing. God will have His glory. God will have His glory even in the judgment of wicked sinners who will not repent. This is the Word of God. This is as true as the Gospel promises that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I appeal to you tonight. So the firstborn is the first, literally the firstborn to the family, but firstborn males were significant because they had the rights and authority for the family. It's the, it's the passing on of the bloodline. That's what this firstborn is all about. A firstborn rights and authority, they, the firstborn male has double inheritance. And the firstborn male has inherits the role as head of the family. God made Adam and then he made Eve. There is an order in creation. It is not disrespect to women. It is not disrespect to women. It is an order of creation. It is the design of God, male and female, and this is the order. This is God's way. No matter how the modern man or woman rails against it and whines about it, the reality is this is God's order. So we also remember here that this is not just the children, the males and females, the born, the children born into the world. This is also the animals. 
God blessed the world. God gave names to all the animals. He created them all. The genius of the glory of creation. Just look at all the animal kingdom and all the amazing things about the animals. There were clean and unclean animals. Listen, we don't have all the law yet. This is pre-law. This is pre-Ten Commandments. This is before we're going to see all the, the book of Numbers and all the rest that God gave to Moses, this amazing man of God, to lay out in detail the law of God and these regulations and statutes and ordinances by which he designed for these, these Israelites who were saved by God to live. So what is it that happens? These Israelites are saved and the first thing they're confronted with, listen, is the Word of God. When you got saved, how I pray, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do my dead level best. I wear Ken out about it, Tim out about it, Ryan, Todd, I talk about it all the time, Steve. When somebody gets saved here, the first thing we're going to do is make sure they understand this is the Word of God and this is what you must know and this is what you must hide in your heart and this is what you must not only know but you must learn to meditate on it think about it allow your life to be shaped by it so i love this then the lord spoke to moses well that's right after verse 51 and on the same day the lord brought the as soon as they were saved god's word is given to them as saved people look you don't need happy philosophy talk and happy little jokes and stories from leaders and preachers and teachers you need the Word of God, and I need the Word of God. And when someone is saved, we must teach them the Word of God. And how I pray, it started in the homes of our people with our children, even before they're saved. They're already familiar with God's Word because their parents read God's Word. Their parents pray before them. Their parents live for Jesus before them. And so they live in a world where they see these amazing things. They see their parents were baptized. They see that their parents observe the table of the Lord, the Lord's Supper. They see that their parents don't live like all their neighbors live. This is very significant. So the Lord says, sanctify to me every firstborn. The first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast. Notice this. It belongs to me. This, we could spend a lot of time tonight talking about uh, the, the glory of, of childbirth, the glory of the birth of animals. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Now, all of us in here, we've gone to school enough. We learned enough about how this works, how things, uh, how reproduction comes along. And from the beginning, God said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply. And we've seen this in our church. We've been privileged. We are, we are a, a, a privileged church to see such a large number. God has given to this church a large and continuing to grow, growing number of little babies given to our people who, who are here in this place with us. All you old people, you don't see them. Tell you what, volunteer, you old people in here like me. Go volunteer to Ken and go to the nursery one week and you'll get shook up. You'll be tore up about it. What in the world? Where did all these kids come from? Hello, where have you been? 
So God has blessed us. But all these children, uh, all these animals, the Lord says, they belong to me. See, this is uh, very important. It is um, the recognition that all births are from God. He gives life, even natural life. The firstborn of man and beast, they all are from God and they belong to God. It is in the incredible, creative genius of God that He has designed reproduction within mankind and within the animal world. So Moses then says, so first of all, God says, sanctify your firstborn. Have you sanctified your children to God? If you dedicated your children to God, no matter how old they are, whenever you did it, you gave them to God. By the way, God cares more about your children than you do. He knows where they are. He knows that they're not living as they should. It's not like you have to pray and say, Lord, I thought I'd tell you this. Did you know what my kid's doing? You don't have to tell God that. He already knows. He's aware. They are mine. This is interesting for us. We must hand them over to God. We must give them our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Here you are, Lord. They belong to you. They do not belong to me. Therefore, you know what's best for them. I'll do what I can do. I'll try to obey. I'll try to do as you taught me to do as a leader in my home, male or female, mom, husband, or, husband or wife, mom or dad, grandparent, grandma or granddad, whatever. But they're yours. So then he says, Moses says to the repeat to the people, remember this day in which you went out from Egypt. So that's my question to you. This word remember is a Hebrew word that means to keep it in your mind. Remember the day. Do you remember the day you were saved? Do you remember the day you were saved? Might have been a long time ago. But do you remember the day you were saved? Keep in mind the day you went out of Egypt, verse 3. Keep in mind the day you were delivered from slavery. Notice the specifics in verse 3. Keep in mind that God saved you powerfully. That for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place. This is repeated multiple times in chapter 13. The powerful hand of God saves you and me through Jesus Christ. And then keep in mind the provision of God as He saved you. He says, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. Look, you, they left with unleavened bread. We read that strange verse uh, over here in chapter 12 uh, about how they were preparing to leave. And they, they uh, here it is, it's uh, 1239. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread. That's all they had as they left was some unleavened bread. Boy, what kind of provision is that God's given them? Well, we're going to see, aren't we? So here we discover, first, your firstborn matter. Firstborn of animals, firstborn of, of your children, firstborn males. And then the lesson of the unleavened bread is in uh, this expanded section of three. He says here, the month this to be done in, a bib, and you are to... Go out and it shall be, and here's the first promise. He's preparing them for the future when they're in the land of promise. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of Canaan of the Canaanite 
Hittite, Amorite, Hivite, Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. You will continue when you get to the place I'm taking you, God says through Moses. The land that was promised to your fathers, oh, by the way, that's inhabited by other peoples, you are going to observe this rite. What a picture of the church in the world. We gather here and do what most people dismiss as foolish. <coughs> You're up here studying the Bible. The lost person says, what a ridiculous waste of time. We gather and we gather at the table of the Lord and we gather and we sing praise to God and we open the Word of God and someone stands and teaches and preaches the Word of God and we receive these things. What a beautiful picture. Here's saved Israel in the land of promise given to them filled with all of these hostile enemies, Amorites, Hittites, Philistines. And what do they do? At this particular time of the year, after Passover, they also observe the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. By the way, the Lord Jesus observed all of these feasts all of his life. So the lesson is when God leads you to the land of promise, don't forget. That's why we do it. What did the Lord say? Do these things in remembrance of me. What a sad thing that we might forget about being saved. What a sad thing it would be for me to forget that Jesus Christ is Lord. What a sad thing for me to live my life after I've been saved and forget and get over what it means to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that's not you today. I hope you're not over it. I hope that you're rejoicing in it. And then we see the first time. What do you do after you observe this right? Well, in, in uh, verse number 8, you're to tell your children. When your son asks you, you give your personal testimony. Notice this in verse 8. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Why do you why do you eat this? I want some real bread, Mom. No, this seven days we're eating this kind of bread. And then we're going to worship on the seventh day. I like the other kind of bread. Good, but you're not getting that kind of bread this week. We're, we're going to eat this. And oh, by the way, we're going to have a strange meal. Get all your clothes on. Get ready. Stand up. And we're going to eat the lamb. And then we're going to have for seven days the feast of unleavened bread. This is the first of these ordinances God gave to Israel. Israel saved Israel in the land of promise surrounded by those enemies who still wanted to occupy and control their lands. The Philistines, Hivites, and all the rest as they're mentioned here. But God has promised to give them this land flowing with milk and honey. You see, that's how the church works in the world. We keep doing what the Lord commanded us to do, whether there's a few of us or whether there's a lot of us, to the glory of God. And we pass it on to our children and our grandchildren. If your children have chosen not to talk to their kids about the Lord, then as a grandparent, make sure you do your part. That's what I spent months talking to this church about recently. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that was an old man named Joshua who said that at the end of his life, not at the beginning. 
So this teaching of hand and head is simply a phrase here. Some have tried to make this more into this becoming the literal way in which the, the uh, Pharisees would wear the phylacteries on their hand and on their forehead. It's actually a saying that's being said here. Uh, and so you say, and it shall serve as a sign, that is the eating of the feast, verse 9, will be a sign on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead. That's a phrase, it's a saying. Uh, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth, for with a powerful hand, second time we've heard this, for with a powerful hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. With a powerful hand, God saved you from your sin. Can anybody say amen in here? Aren't you glad? The powerful hand of God through the Lord Jesus Christ's death and resurrection saved us. I am so glad to be saved. I'm so glad. Therefore, keep this ordinance, verse 11, when the Lord, second time, brings you to the land of the Canaanite. Notice he again reminds them, as he swore to you and to your fathers to give it to you. This Sunday, I continue to talk about hope in God. Here's the testimony. I hope in God because of the promises of God. How do I have hope in God? Because God promised and God keeps his promises. Now, you still have to come. That's just a real brief part of what I've said. But nevertheless, here we have it. Here we have it. When the Lord brings you into the land as He swore to you. He swore that He was going to do it. Aren't you glad God is a God who keeps His promises? Are you glad of that? I hope you are. God is a God who keeps His promises. Now everybody else in life, including ourselves, we break our promises. God never breaks His promises. God never breaks His promises. And you shall devote the first of the offspring every of every womb and the first offspring of every beast that you have. The males belong to the Lord. And then he goes through and talks about the unclean donkey. So they are to they are to devote to God. Here, Lord, you've blessed us with the birth of these 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 children, and you've blessed us with these males and females children, and you've also blessed us with these clean and unclean animals. The donkey is an example here. It is not an exhaustive list. We don't have the full law yet. But they had a lot of donkeys that went with them out of Egypt, I promise you. And a donkey, I can say it out here in Dixon because you appreciate it, a donkey was like a tractor. I mean, you needed a donkey. A donkey was a really important issue. But you know what it's all about here? It's about a good word that you all and I have all learned. Redemption. Redemption. You see, there must be a sacrifice. You see, God saved the firstborn of Israel because of the blood of the Lamb. God judged and killed the firstborn of Egypt who did not have the blood. This is the story here. If you choose not to, if you're going to redeem the, uh, the unclean animals, you must do it with a lamb. Blood must be poured out for redemption to save. And if you, uh, if you don't, then you break its neck. And every firstborn among man, among your sons, you shall redeem. So I've given you uh, a little uh, section that I, I, I should read it because it will help you understand. This is how things developed as the rest of the law was given around this redemption, the pay of money to the priests, uh, in Israel. So I'll just read it to you. It's on the second page there 
of your outline. Thirty days being expired after the birth of the child, they call a priest to them, that is to say, one that is descended of the stock of Aaron, whom the father of the child chooses. And so, many people being gathered together at the time appointed, the father of the child brings before the priest in a bowl or basin a good quantity of gold and silver. And then they give him the child into his arms. The priest then calling the mother of it before him says to her, Mistress, is this your son? She answers, Yes. And he replies, Have you never had any child before, either male or female, or have miscarried anyone? And she says to him, No. Then the priest says, This child is mine. The priest says, This child is mine as being the firstborn. Then turning himself toward the father, he asks him whether he will redeem it or not. Who answers him, saying, See, here is gold and silver. Take your own peace. Then says the priest unto him, You will redeem it then? The father answers, I will redeem it. It shall be so, says the priest. This child is mine as being the firstborn, as it is written. I therefore take this in exchange. And so he takes the sum of the two French crows or thereabout, and as he thinks good, and then delivers the child to his father and mother, and this day they make a, a feasting day. Redemption. The buying back. You see, redemption always reminds us that children are born into this world as sinners who must be saved. Redemption comes through Jesus Christ. This picture of redemption weaves its way all through the Bible. It's what one old preacher called the scarlet thread in the Word of God. And so here you have this picture of redemption. It is the redemption. And all of the animal kingdom, all of creation has been affected, my dear brothers and sisters, by sin. And there will come the great day of redemption, the coming day of the Lord, uh, when uh, the creation itself groans for that time as Paul teaches us. And so what do you tell your children? Well, you tell your children when they ask, why do you do this? Down in verse 14, you say, with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. And it came about when Pharaoh, they talk about Pharaoh with their children, was about to, was uh, about letting us go. The Lord killed, would not let us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man of beasts, therefore a sacrifice to the Lord males, but every man, but but uh, every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall be assigned to your hands and as phylacteries on your head. So again, you're to remember these things. This is the pattern God's given us. We must teach our children what it means to be saved. You must explain to your children what you do and why you do what you do as a follower of Jesus. You know, I would rather our parents tell their children, first of all, what it means to be saved than even the church telling your children what it means to be saved. It is much more personal when they hear your confession of your salvation. So as we finish God's path out of Egypt, I have one minute. God's path out of Egypt. It's, a, it's the beautiful picture. Now we're introduced to that glorious, glorious miracle of a pillar of cloud by day and, and fire by night. And the leadership of God. God's path out of Egypt. He did not take them the shortest way through the land of the Philistines 
verse 17, because he knew, God knows, as he leads us, my friends, listen, you've entered the narrow way. you followed Jesus. You are now, now you must follow the Lord by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what it means to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit? That's what a Christian does. Do you know what it means to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Well, you see, the children of Israel had to follow God's leadership. They didn't know what to do. Now they're, they're, they're loaded up from Egypt with all of their goods and all of their gold and silver and all that they have in their unleavened dough. They're ready to go, but they don't know where to go. And so the Lord begins the process of leading them. So it says in 18, hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. How tender it is that God saw already the fearfulness that might come to Israel. If they were confronted by the Philistines, they might give up and want to go back. And we're going to see that in the wilderness, aren't we? How many times? Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt. It was better for me before I was saved. Really? Are you serious? You really believe that? Though it might be hard. Hence God led them around by the wilderness to the Red Sea, and Moses carried the bones of Joseph. Millions of people marching and following the Lord. And the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud by day, and led them in the way and by fire to give them light that they may travel, please notice, by day and night. God knew that Israel was unarmed and they weren't warlike. God knew their fear. God had secret plans. He's about to, he's about to do something amazing in chapter 14. The waters are going to part. The sea is going to divide. And God knows what lies in the path which He leads us to follow. I hope you hear me tonight as we finish. God knows right where you are on the narrow way to heaven. He knows right where you are. He knows where He is leading you. He's leading you. You pay attention to where He leads you. And as we read at the bottom of this uh, section, I gave you some beautiful verses. The song of Moses we'll get to in a few weeks. It's a beautiful song. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. God, because He loves us as His people, he leads us. He leads them through the deeps as through the wilderness. He, he led them also by a straight way. And if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And the greatest, I think, of all of these New Testament references is Romans 8.14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're not following the Holy Spirit, you may not be saved. If you're not following the Holy Spirit, what are you following? It's an important question as we hear. Well, may the Lord bless our reading. It's always good to see you. Heavenly Father, it is good for us to hear your word. We have so much to think about from these words. So tonight... We again, present our children to you and our grandchildren who they are. They are yours. 
They do not belong to us. You have given us stewardship of them. Here they are. They are yours. And now we remember tonight that you have saved us, and we praise you for it. We thank you for saving us. We pray that you might help us to, as a church and also as individuals to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you lead, we'll go. That's what we say. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.